Well, we've been looking at Ephesians, and uh, last week we, we highlighted the fact that God has chosen each one of us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight, to be adopted as His children, as followers of Christ together. It's, it's amazing. And the fact that He chose us before the foundation of the world helps us see that the doctrine of predestination helps illuminate God's grace, that God loves us before we ever love Him, that God loves us because He loves us. And therefore, we live our lives in light of God's love. In fact, uh, Paul begins his letter picking up with verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The word blessed there in the Greek is eulogetas, eulogetas. We get the English word eulogy from eulogetas, eulogetas. Paul begins his letter with the a eulogy, a praise, a thanksgiving to God, blessing God. And of course, a eulogy is something that someone says to praise someone, to praise someone else. And so Paul begins his letter by praising God for his eternal election, comforting the Ephesians to know that even though they are Gentiles and, and in the eyes of many Jews, they're outside the family faith because of their ethnic background, and yet God in his sovereign grace has chosen them, these Gentiles, to be a part of the kingdom of God. Before the foundation of the world, he chose them. He predestined them. And then Paul continues in his letter, he, he prays a prayer for the church in Ephesus. To see what that prayer is that he prays for the church in Ephesus, please turn in your Bibles or your iPhones or Androids, whatever you use, to Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his Holy Spirit to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you so much that you inspired Paul to put pen to paper while he was in prison in Rome so that we might have your word today, your holy inspired written word, words that offer us encouragement and guidance and direction. So God, I pray that as we read your word, that you might speak to us, that we might hear from you, that our hearts might be opened and transformed at the reading and preaching of your holy word. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Ephesians chapter one, beginning with verse 15, listen to the word of the Lord. For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is his prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
You know, a man can experience an incredible amount of suffering when he has hope. But when he loses his hope, that's when he dies. That scene is from the movie uh, To End All Wars. It's the true story of Ernest Gordon, who was a Scottish soldier who had to he had to serve as a POW in a Japanese prisoner of war camp in World War II. He was in the death ward. That was the man lying down on the mat, and he was expected to die. In fact, most people who went to the death ward were expected to die. The survival rate in the Japanese prisoner of war camps was not very high. He had contracted malaria, some type of disease, some jungle fever, and, and everyone thought for sure that he was going to die. However, through the compassionate community of men like Dusty, the man who said that when you lose hope, you die, and, and another uh, soldier, through the Christian community and cr- passionate c- uh, care of these two Christian soldiers, Ernest Gordon recovered remarkably. And his recovery, it brought hope to the other prisoners of war in that camp. And that hope helped others survive. It's interesting, uh, if you read the story uh, by Ernest Gordon to end all wars, uh, Ernest Gordon was not a Christian when he was in that prisoner of war camp initially. It's true, he had grown up in Scotland. He knew who Jesus was intellectually, but he didn't really know Jesus. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. But after receiving this compassionate care from these fellow Christians like Dusty, who was a Methodist, a very devout man of faith, Ernest Gordon himself came to faith in Christ in that prisoner of war camp in, in, uh, in Japan so many years ago. And after the war, he actually went to seminary, became a Presbyterian minister, and uh, he was the chaplain at uh, Princeton University, where it's the third largest uh, university chapel in the world. For 20 years, Ernest Gordon told everyone that without hope, people die. The key to survival in the midst of difficult circumstances is hope. The Apostle Paul knew this because, well, goodness, Paul had experienced some pretty difficult circumstances in his life. Paul had, of course, had been arrested. He had been flogged. He had been beaten. He had been shipwrecked. He had been stoned and left for dead. Yes, Paul experienced all kind of hardships, and yet Paul survived because he had hope. Without hope, we perish. But with hope, we can endure incredible amounts of suffering. That's why Paul prays for the church in Ephesus that they might have hope. Let's look again at specifically how he prays for them in verse 17. It says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you that spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Paul first prays that they might have knowledge and wisdom because he knows that in knowledge and wisdom of God, we find hope. Hope is found in the knowledge and wisdom of God. Hope is found in the knowledge and the wisdom of God. You see, as we grow in our our knowledge of God and who God is and all that God has done for us, we become overwhelmed by the goodness of God and the grace of God and the power of God. I love what uh, we read in Proverbs 9, 10. It says that, um, uh, that uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we want to grow in wisdom, we have to first grow in our knowledge of God. And as we grow in our knowledge of God, we, we, we develop a, a healthy fear or reverence of God. And we don't fear God because God is mean. No, God is loving, but we fear God. We revere God because God is powerful. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. He is the one who brings life, and he's brought the dead back to life. And we see that in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
is if the cross is the great demonstration of God's love for us, the resurrection is the great demonstration of God's power, which he has chosen to use to save all of us here today. Yes, Paul knew that if they would grow in the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, they would grow in their hope. The people of Ephesus, they needed hope. If you read Acts 19, you can read the story of how when Paul was in Ephesus helping plant the church and preaching the gospel, the church was growing exponentially as Gentiles, non-Jews, were coming to faith in Christ in Ephesus. And there were so many Gentiles coming to faith in Christ that the, the tradesmen in Ephesus became threatened by the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel lets us know that Jesus is Lord, which meant the goddess Artemis was not You see, Ephesus was the home of one of the seven wonders of the world. It was the home of the temple of the goddess Artemis, a fertility god, a Greek goddess. Uh, And and, and of course, in uh, Rome, they called called her Diana, the goddess Diana. And as people were coming to faith in Christ and beginning to worship Jesus, they no longer had a need for the goddess Artemis. And the tradesmen who made those little statues and idols and shrines to Artemis were not selling as much as they used to because people were now following Jesus. And so this, this preaching of Jesus led to a riot in Ephesus where they wanted to kill and persecute and destroy the church. But God's power would not let it happen. God had a bigger plan. Yes, Paul knows that the church in Ephesus They need hope to endure. And my friends, we need hope as well today. Amidst this pandemic, COVID-19, where over 111,000 Americans have now died from this disease. That's almost twice as many Americans who died in the Vietnam War over a 16-year period. That's amazing. 111,000 Americans have died from this disease. And of course, you may remember back in February, the unemployment rate was at 3.5%. And then by April, it was at 14.7%. As over 30 million Americans filed for unemployment, as jobs became scarce and it became difficult for people to find work as the nation's economy shut down so that we might stop the spread of the pandemic. Yes, there's great anxiety, great worry about about the disease. There's great anxiety and worry about the economy. And now we have great worry and anxiety about the racial tensions that our country now has. After the tragic death of George Floyd, I read an article uh, recently in Christianity Today that explains that George Floyd, as an African-American man, was very active with several ministries in the Third Ward of Houston. Uh, I I know the Third Ward, there's some great churches in that community in Houston, and he was very active with those uh, ministries there in the Third Ward. He was a man of, of faith, a man of peace, according to many. And so it's tragic to see a man of peace and a man of faith die so senselessly because a police officer wouldn't take his knee off his throat as he said, clearly, I can't breathe. The African-American community has had enough. They're wondering, when will the violence end? And so we have these protests. And and sadly, many of these protests are leading to violence. In the midst of the violence, it's a way of exerting and and communicating how frustrated we are and how angry and we're not going to take it anymore. But that's probably not the best way to respond. How can we respond? How can we make sure we endure in the midst of hard, difficult, anxious times? We have to have hope. Hope that God can make a change. I want to point out here in our text 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 17, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul's primary prayer for the church in Ephesus in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of division, in the midst of persecution, is that they might have wisdom and have revelation in the knowledge of him. The Greek word for ep- knowledge here is epignosis. Epignosis is the Greek word translated knowledge. It can also mean recognition. Paul is praying that they might grow in their knowledge and their recognition of our Lord Jesus Christ. That they might see through the eyes of faith how, how God is at work, even in the midst of the suffering, even amidst the division, even amidst of the trials and tribulations. God is still at work. Paul knew because he himself had experienced persecution and suffering in prison. But if you remember the story in Acts 16, while he was in a, a jail cell in Philippi, he and Silas, rather than moaning and groaning, were praising God. And God created an earthquake that opened the door cells of his prison, and the jailer came to faith. As Paul writes to the church in Philippi while he's in, in a Roman prison cell then, saying, I have seen how my suffering has helped lead many to come to faith. Yes, God will be moving if we will just pray for knowledge and wisdom to see and recognize the Spirit of God moving in our midst. You know, when you know someone well, you will recognize them right away. I have, uh, we, recently we've been cleaning out some things in our house, and uh, I've seen pictures of my wife when she was a, a pie-fi at the University of Texas, the Longhorns. I married into that. I'm not a Longhorn fan. I grew up a tech fan. But anyway, she's a, a Longhorn fan, and I would see these pictures, and there would be hundreds of girls in this sorority, right? But immediately, because I know my wife, I would see that pretty face and go, oh, there you are. When you know someone well, you recognize them out of a crowd in an instant. And Paul's desire is that they might grow in their knowledge and their insight so they might recognize epignosis, God, and the Lord Jesus. And in recognizing God and and growing in their wisdom of God, they will have hope. Hope that is grounded in the knowledge of God. A knowledge of God that lets us know that our God is so mighty so powerful. Though when all hope seemed to be lost on that Friday, just two days later on a Sunday, Jesus rose again conquering both sin and death on on our behalf. And that same power, that same resurrection power is now with us that allows us to have hope in the midst of suffering, hope in the midst of chaos, hope in the midst of uncertainty. And in that hope, we can pray that God would give us wisdom and even more knowledge of who God is. You know, knowledge, of course, is, is recognition, uh, understanding. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. As we grow in our, our knowledge of God and we begin to recognize God and who God is and all of his power and all of his goodness and all of his grace, then God will give us wisdom in how we might apply in a right way what we know. So if we lack hope, if we find ourselves becoming depressed, worried, anxious, concerned, we need to do what Paul did. We need to pray. We need to pray that God would give us spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Christ. 
You know, last week I shared with you that uh, one of my good friends from high school, uh, Wayne Wilson, who is the starting center on our basketball team, uh, leading scorer, he's averaged 20 points a game. He was actually the uh, senior class president. He was voted Mr. Integrity of my high school, a great guy. He and I both went to Trinity University to play. Uh, I wasn't really as good as he was, and so he kept playing. I, I only played for a semester, but uh, he played for, for two years there at, at Trinity and, and did quite well. And I shared with you that my friend Wayne has had very different experiences than me. My friend Wayne has, has experienced, uh, well, persecution from campus security or even police. He's been assumed to be guilty rather than innocent simply by the color of his skin. I've never been pulled over before because someone thought I was driving a stolen car, but that's happened to Wayne. I've never been accosted by a campus security guard because I wasn't at the right place at the right time. As I shared last week, uh, uh, one night, Wayne was in the gym working out, and actually, Wayne worked in the um, checkout desk where you had to check in your Validine in order to get into the weight room to begin with, and uh, he was just working out and didn't know that the gym had closed, the whole building had closed. Somehow, uh, he was in the bathroom or something when, the, when they did that, and so he was working out like normal by himself. He was used to being in the gym normally. And then a security guard came and, and accosted him and questioned him and called him in and cuffed him and all these horrible things simply because he was working out when the gym was supposed to be closed. He had not broken an entering. He was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I'm pretty sure that if, that if I had been in Wayne's position, the security guard would have just told me, hey, the gym's closed, you've got to leave. And I would have said, okay, fine, and I would have left. I would not have for sure. But that's not what happened to Wayne. Well, after uh, last week's sermon, I, I reached out to Wayne via Facebook, and we were able to reconnect. And as we talked about uh, uh, what happened so many years ago on the Trinity University campus, I was reminded of the redemptive outcome of that story. You, you see, after this happened to Wayne, um, he told me about it, and I was so upset. I didn't know what to do. You know, when we get angry and upset, you know, our immediate response could be moved to, to, to violence or to, or to get physically uh, frustrated, but, but I knew that wasn't the right response. And so I, I told Wayne, I said, hey, Wayne, we've got a Bible study tonight over at, uh, at my dorm, so why don't we go to the Bible study and ask them to give us wisdom on how we ought to respond because what happened to you is not right and this isn't, should never happen. And so uh, Wayne and I uh, went to the Bible study and he shared his story. And we sat and listened to what he had to say and how this incident was just a, a series of incidents that have happened in his life when he's been treated differently because of the color of his skin. And as we listened to his story, we became very upset. And one of the great things that we as, as the white community or you know, Caucasian community can do right now is listen just listen. Uh, I watched a movie last night uh, called Just Mercy. In fact, Amazon's got this deal where you can rent it for free, uh, Just Mercy, starring Jamie Foxx. It's a great movie. It tells the true story of how an African-American man was on death row unjustly, and uh, ultimately uh, he's freed. But it helps you get a perspective on what he had to go through. I also read this weekend uh, that familiar letter from uh, Martin Luther King Jr., a letter from a Birmingham jail, where he calls out the clergy, the white clergy, to not simply sit on the side and allow these types of things to happen, but to step up, to do something about it. We as the people of God need to spend some time listening and we need to spend some time praying. As we listened to Wayne share his testimony and we got upset about it and we were so frustrated, we were like, man, what can we do? And so we prayed. As we prayed, God impressed on all of our hearts that we should write a letter. We should write a letter. I know that doesn't sound super bold and aggressive, right? Write a letter, but 
you know, most of the New Testament is epistles. It's letters from Paul or Peter or John. And God can use letters to make a difference. God used the letter uh, from a Birmingham jail by Martin Luther King Jr. to help mobilize the white clergy and the white churches of the South to speak up for their brothers and sisters in Christ who are experiencing persecution that no one should have to experience. For we know from the very words of Jesus in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world, the Greek word for world there is cosmos. God so loved the cosmos, God so loved the universe, all of creation, that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If we look at the life of Jesus, we can see that he was always reaching out to people of different ethnic backgrounds. Yes, he loved his, his 12 Jewish brothers, but he also loved the Samaritan woman at the well. He loved the Roman centurion who had a, a sick servant. He also loved the Gentile Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was about to die. Yes, Jesus was reaching out and loving people from all different ethnic backgrounds. That's why in the, in the great commission that we find in the Matthew 28, the resurrected, the risen Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. The Greek word for nations there is ethnos, every ethnicity. And if you continue to read the book of Acts, you'll see that one of the first converts to Christianity was an Ethiopian eunuch who was on the on a road reading Isaiah 53 and the Holy Spirit told Philip, I've got an appointment for you. I want you to, to tell the good news of Jesus to that eunuch. He's searching for me and I want him to, to know how much I love him. Yes, that Ethiopian came to faith in Christ and the Ethiopian church was planted. Yes, God loves all nations. And so as we talked about what we should do, we need to lift up the love of God that is for all people regardless of race or, or tribe or tongue. So we wrote a letter. And in that letter, we pointed out that while we understood that that week there had been a female student who had been accosted by an African-American man, the man described was five foot nine inches. Our friend Wayne Wilson is six foot three. And the security guard who accosted Wayne is 5'11". Now, if you're 5'11", and you know you're looking for someone who's 5'9", and you think that the guy's 6'3", you've got some depth perception issues. And so we challenged him, and we challenged the entire security guards of Trinity not to fall to the temptation of racial profiling. We pointed out that on the campus at that time, there were less than 40 African-American students of a school of 2,500, and how easy it would have been simply to look at the pictures of each one of these students and know these are the students... These students are innocent. I'm not looking for them. I'm looking for this other man who has accosted this student. Now, just so you know, that woman, fortunately, uh, she was okay. She was actually on the lacrosse team. And when the guy, uh, this African-American man, approached her, she kicked him right in the groin and ran away. And that guy was reeling on the ground for a bit. So she was fine. But we were all a little nervous, a little anxious. It was a little bit worried. And the, the, the natural reaction for the security was that any black student should be sus- a suspect. Any black man on the campus should be a suspect, even if they don't really fit the description. Big difference between 5'9 and 6'3. As we wrote that letter, we also encouraged the entire university to honor MLK Day as a national holiday. And we invited the students to join us on the MLK Day march in San Antonio. Now, initially, we thought we'd write that letter to the president, but we wanted everybody to read it, so we wrote it to the school paper. And what was awesome was... As we wrote that letter to the school paper, we had many, many people come to us and say, man, thank you for that letter. We all signed it in our little Bible study. Thank you for that letter. That was great. I agree with you. We can't 
allow the fear of what one black man has done on this campus to cause racial, lead to racial profiling among all the students here. And when we had that first uh, MLK Day march in San Antonio, dozens of students came and joined us on that march, and it was great. But the good news doesn't stop there. No, today, hundreds of students from Trinity University are at that MLK Day march every year. In fact, it's the largest MLK Day march in the United States today. They're carrying a big banner that says Trinity University to let everybody know that Trinity is a campus that's open to students from every ethnicity on MLK Day, which is a school holiday now. And now... The makeup of the campus is 56% Caucasian. It was 80% when I was there. God can bring change. God can bring reconciliation. If we'll turn to him and seek his wisdom as we grow in the knowledge of him and all that he's done for us and how much he loves us. One of the things uh, Brady mentioned, uh, a recent event he went to yesterday, I'm really excited about the way the churches in our community, led by Anthony Harris, have begun to work together, and we're planning an event on June 28th at 6 o'clock, at, uh, it's going to be on the courthouse lawn, where we're inviting every Christian from every tribe and, and, and every ethnic group and every background to come and join us in worshiping and turning to God that we might repent from our sins, we might seek God's face and healing for our land. It's in this time we need hope. And hope is ultimately found as we turn to God in prayer and we ask God to give us wisdom, to give us knowledge so that we might recognize how he is already at work and how he's calling us to join him in that work. Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you for the good news Jesus Christ, that God so loved the world, the cosmos, that he invites all nations, all ethnicities to come and bow down their knees to worship you, Lord. For we've all been created in your image, fearfully and wonderfully made, red and yellow, black and white. We are all precious in your sight. Oh God, I pray for healing in our land. I pray that you would rise up the church and allow the church to be the voice of reconciliation, to be the voice of hope as you point to the unconditional sacrificial love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to do for us what we can never do for ourselves. He lived in perfect obedience, then he died as the perfect sacrifice, and then in his power he conquered both sin and death on our behalf. And that same power, that resurrection power, is now available to us as we turn to you in faith and pray for knowledge and wisdom. So God, give us wisdom, wisdom on how to act and how to respond. Give us a knowledge that we might grow in your great love for us and your great love for all of creation. We might grow in the knowledge of your power. God, we thank you, Lord, for the peaceful uh, nature of the protest Saturday. I lift up the prayer meeting, worship service on June 28th, that churches from all over the city would come together as we gather together as one people in Christ's name from all different ethnic groups to worship you, to be a witness of the reign of Christ in our lives, that the kingdom of God is for Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, for we are all one in Christ. 
And Lord, I do pray, Lord, for peace in our land and our nation. I pray, Lord, for those cities that have been hit by civil unrest. I pray, Lord, for wisdom for those civic leaders. I pray for wisdom for all of our nation's leaders. Give them wisdom, Lord. Help them to have the wisdom of Solomon to know what to do. I thank you, God, for the recent rain we've had. I lift up the prayer concerns that have been sent to us, Colette Bauer, dealing with seizures. I pray, Lord, for her. Pray for Marty Smith, who has pancreatic cancer. Thank you, God, that it's operable. I uh, pray, God, that it's treatable. I pray that the operation would go well. We pray, Lord, for Martha Ruth Moreland at Arbor's rehabbing from a light stroke. We thank you, God, that Fred Hancock's pacemaker surgery was successful. We pray, for Lord, for Denise Davenport healing from gallbladder surgery. We pray for Beth Ann Preston, who's going to have gallbladder surgery on June 8th. Pray for Barb Holman, who has back surgery on June 10th. Joyce Admire, who's having gallbladder surgery on June 16th. We praise you, Lord, for Laura Autry and the success of her foot surgery. Pray for continued healing for her. I do pray, Lord, for our church as we try to find the next children's director. God, we praise you for Michael Ann and her faithful service in helping make disciples of our young people these last five years. We thank you for her legacy and pray, Lord, that you'd help us to build on that as we find who it is you're calling, who you have planned to serve in that important role in the life of our church. Give our search committee wisdom. Lead them to just the right candidate that your will might be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray all these things in the strong and precious name of your Son who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please rise for the benediction. And you can put your mask back on too, that'd be great. Uh, I won't put it on until I say benediction, but uh, thankful that you're here today. If, if you've heard something that stirred your heart to realize, I don't yet know Christ. I know of Christ, but I don't have a relationship with Christ. As Ernest Gordon knew of Christ, but he didn't really know Christ until he submitted his life to Christ. And he sought to grow in the knowledge of him, the wisdom of him. If you'd like to know what it means to grow in the knowledge of Christ and the wisdom of Christ, I'd love to talk to you after the service or you can email me this week. I would love to tell you about how you might grow in the knowledge of Christ and the wisdom of Christ. But for those of us who know Christ, we know that we are called to be a light of Christ's love, that we are called to reach out and love everyone because Christ so loved the world that he gave his life for all of us today. And so we, pr we need to do what Paul does for the church in Ephesus, we need to pray that God would give us wisdom and knowledge so that we might have hope in the midst of changing times, knowing that our hope is found in the power of our God who raised Jesus from the dead. And that same power is available to us that we might walk in it and live in it as his redeemed people. And now by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore.